Good morning and welcome to this pre-recorded service coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're glad that you have joined us. We're grateful to tell you that we are beginning a long overdue project of enhancing our worship space here in our sanctuary. We've emptied our chancel in order to do a little refurbishing, sanding and refinishing the floor, enhancing the choir loft and extending our pulpit forward. That work sets to begin this week, and so our worship will look a little different over the next several weeks in that we've relocated some of our worship platforms to different places in the sanctuary. All this, of course, will be just temporary, and we appreciate your patience over the next few weeks. Today, we're set to receive communion, so we encourage you to prepare to worship this morning by getting some bread and some juice or wine uh, and have that available to you as we partake of the holy meal. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, and let us prepare to worship God.
Are any among us suffering? We will pray. Are any cheerful? We will sing songs of praise. Are any among us sick? We will call on the name of the Lord. Have any committed sins? We confess our sins to each other. We come to worship in the name of God, our Creator, Jesus, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit who sustains us. Let us worship God. When we ask to be delivered from deceitful and unjust people, we need to examine ourselves to see if we are completely honest and just. When we are tempted to exclude others, we are met by an inclusive God who calls us to repentance. Let us pray together our prayer of confession. 
God of justice and righteousness, whose compassion for humankind was expressed so vividly in Jesus of Nazareth, we bring to you our sorrow and anguish that we have not followed faithfully in the footsteps of Christ. Unkindness and deceit are all around us, and we have sometimes joined in destructive ways. We waste resources you have entrusted to us. We cause others to stumble and fall. Take away our wickedness, O God, and restore your covenant among us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. When we want to be helped, God is ready to pardon us and equip us with new life. Wounded spirits are restored to wholeness. Enemies can become friends. We can grow in faith and love. God puts a song on our lips and confidence in our heart. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us now affirm our faith by reciting together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and an earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now take a moment to share the peace of Christ with those around you. Peace be with you. Well, good morning again. It's good to have you here with us in worship this day. We're grateful that we can be together uh, via the internet and hope that you will find this to be uh, a time of uh, celebration and worship. We uh, 
I'm sure you have noticed that we have uh, a different setup today in our worship. And uh, as I mentioned earlier in our greeting, the, this is the time when we are refurbishing our chancel, we're redoing the floors, we are extending the pulpit, we are changing the choir loft around. And so we're gonna be about that this work over the next several weeks. And uh, we'll be repositioning, as you have already seen, uh, our worship in different parts of the sanctuary. And uh, we just pray your patience and we will be back uh, to uh, things as they were in, uh, in just a few weeks. We invite you to our next conversation on race and racism in the church and in America uh, by watching over the next few weeks the movie Selma, which uh, features John Lewis, who of course just recently passed away and we remember him with great fondness and affection. On August the 17th, we're gonna take a time to uh, re review that and discuss that, uh, that movie and we encourage you to sign up. That will be available, I believe, on our website this coming Monday for you to uh, sign up so that you can be a part of that discussion at six o'clock on Monday, August the 17th. And then a couple weeks after that, on uh, August the 30th, we will be having our kickoff Sunday, and we're going to be inviting you to come and be a part of a drive-through around our campus, and you'll have a chance to experience the fruit of the Spirit, which will be our theme for the year, and you'll receive gifts, and you'll have a chance to exchange puzzles, and all sorts of different things will be available for you, so make sure you put that on your calendar. Invitations are going out uh, in just a couple weeks. It will be from 11 o'clock till 12.30 on August the 30th. So make sure to write that down. We still need food pantry volunteers, and so we encourage you to uh, look on our website for that sign-up sheet. We could uh, use the help throughout the course of the week. We are still serving well over 200 households a day. As you can see, the uh, table is set for our communion service, and if you've not yet done that, we encourage you to get communion elements uh, before you, bread and wine or juice, so that we can partake in the holy meal together. And then lastly, our Sermon on the Mount uh, uh, devotional series begins tomorrow. We'll be shifting from the Gospel of Mark to a study of the Sermon on the Mount, so we invite you to join us. Those email blasts go out every day, and we invite you to come and be a part of that devotional series. And speaking of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, as we prepare for our moment of gratitude and our reflection upon what God has done in our lives, we think about those great words in, of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount where he invites us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And this is one of those ways by which we can do so by supporting the life and ministry of Church of the Palms as we carry out this work in so many different ways in our community, which is in such great need of God's grace. So we invite you to give through all the means by which are displayed on your on your screen, and we encourage you to uh, be supporting us as we seek to be faithful to Christ's call for us to love God and love neighbor. Now let us participate in a moment of gratitude.
Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gifts of our people. We thank you that they've gone beyond the call of duty and of commitment that they was previously made and have been so generous. May what is given now redound to your kingdom's glory and enable us to use their gifts to create love and understanding, compassion, and sympathy for those to whom we minister. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, now's the time in our service where we do a little children's moment, so we invite you to get your children or grandchildren and bring them close by. I want to tell you a story, and the story I want to share with you has to do with where I grew up. I grew up pretty far north of here in a state called Michigan, and that's where we got a lot of snow, and, and you know, snow is a beautiful thing to kind of watch come down, and it's a beautiful thing to kind of play in and have fun with, but snow is not a lot of fun to shovel, and that was my job when I was growing up. I got to shovel the snow at our house. I got to shovel the driveway, I got to shovel all the sidewalks and the porches and all that, and it was a lot of work, and one day we had gotten a decent amount of snow, and I was out there shoveling all the snow that we had, and, and when I got done, I came, into my, I came into our house, and my father greeted me at the door, and he pointed me over across the street to Mrs. Ball's house, and Mrs. Ball was a widow, and, and her children were all gone and out of the house, and her driveway and sidewalk and front porch were all covered with snow. And my father pointed me over there and said, you know, I think you need to go over and shovel Mrs. Ball's driveway and sidewalks. And I said, Dad, I, I just finished shoveling the snow. I don't want to go over there. Well, I think you need to go over there. It was becoming obvious that this wasn't a choice I got to make. It was something I had to do. And I said, do I have to do that? And my father said, no, actually, you get to do this. You get to go over and shovel Mrs. Ball's driveway and sidewalk. So I went over there kind of not really happy about the whole thing with my shovel and I spent privy another hour or so shoveling her sidewalks in her driveway and I wasn't real happy about it until just as I got done I could hear Mrs. Ball rapping on the inside of her door to grab my attention and I looked up and I saw her there and this is what she did. She went like that. And all of a sudden, this thing that I had to do, I realized what my father told me was that it was something I got to do. I got to help somebody else. And, and there's nothing that gives you greater joy in the world than when you serve somebody else. And I was thinking about that, especially today, and the time that we're living in with all this worry about the virus and COVID-19 and all that. This is another chance for us that we get to serve other people by wearing our masks. And I'm sure I got this right up. Mm, you know what? We don't really kind of like doing that. We don't like wearing masks. But guess what? It is our opportunity to serve other people. We may not be worried about getting sick ourselves, but the most important thing is that we care for other people and serving them. So we get to do this. That's something we have to do. It's something we get to do. And, and for me, I get to show off my big my big maize and blue M. And so isn't that a great joy that everybody gets to experience by my wearing this mask so they can see the greatest football team in college football. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about putting on a mask. It's not something you have to do, it's something you get to do 
for those people so we can make sure that everybody stays safe and sound during this time. Amen. Well, we only have four weeks left in our summer series on spiritual disciplines. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about meditation, and we spent some time considering both contemplation and service through the story of Mary and Martha. One of the takeaways was that many of us have a natural tendency to either sit and listen or to go and do, but perhaps we all need to first spend some time with God to get our bearings. Well, today we get to take a deeper dive into service and try to get to the core issue so that we can live into that blessing that Jesus offers us. So I think we need to start with the universal sign of service, the towel. And I would like to invite my oldest daughter, Jordan, to come forward to read the scripture passage, the Reverend Jordan Goodwin, who's been quarantined with us since March. So glad you're here still. Thank you. Our scripture passages today come from the Gospel of John. The first passage is from the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 5 and then verses 12 through 17. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, Servants are not greater than their masters, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The second passage is John 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grow grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you abide unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. 
because apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O God, to the word just read and the words to come, that they might point to the word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. Amen. We've got big sandals to fill. Isn't it just like Jesus to not only wash the feet of his friends, but to also wash the feet of the men he knows will betray and deny him? And think about it. Just touching someone's feet is a bit personal and possibly unpleasant, but it's more than that, isn't it? Foot washing in ancient times was a menial task. It involved washing off not just dust and mud, but also animal waste and even the remains of human excrement which had been poured out into the streets. This act of hospitality was normally assigned to slaves or servants of low status, particularly females, so much so that foot washing was virtually synonymous with slavery. There is no other account in all of ancient literature where a person of superior status voluntarily washes the feet of someone of inferior status. Of course, this is not just an honored teacher who is performing a shameful act, but a divine figure with sovereignty over the entire cosmos who has taken on the role of slave. If I had to choose one word other than love for Jesus, I think it might just be humble. The bookends of Jesus' life are drenched in humility. Jesus left his position with God and humbled himself in the form of a baby. His human life ended with shameful humility on a cross, and Jesus literally loses himself in love. And now he models humble service in a tangible way for his disciples to understand and hopefully to imitate. Remember, his disciples were no different than the rest of us, always jockeying for position to be seen, to be great, to sit first chair. Humility does not come naturally or easily for most of us, which is why I found the story of Michael Caine's humble beginnings so heartwarming. As you know, Sir Michael Caine is an English actor, producer, and author. He has appeared in more than 130 films during a career that spans over 60 years. As a struggling unknown, Michael Caine once came to the last resort of starving actors, a casting agency run by a man named Ronnie Curtis. This is how Caine tells it. Ronnie was very cross-eyed, so when he came out, pointed at us and said, you, the three of us stood up. This didn't seem to throw him at all. I suppose he was used to it. Then he asked, what size is your chest? Well, each of us still thought he was addressing us alone, so we answered in unison with our chest measurements. 
When he asked, who said 40? I put my hand up and he said, what's your leg, your inside leg measurement? Uh, 32. His eyes lit up. Perfect. Come on, he said, calling me into his small office. When I got inside, he explained that I would be playing the role of a police officer the next day in a small film. I had been cast because I fit the uniform that the company already had in their wardrobe. Many of us have been on that path of striving and working so hard to earn our promotions and our positions that we find it hard to not take all of the credit ourselves. And I was wondering, how do we learn to pick up the towel the way Jesus did? How do we live into John 3.30, which says, he must increase but I must decrease more of him, less of me. Humility is one of those virtues that is never gained by seeking it. The more we pursue it, the more distant it becomes. But here's the good news. Of all the spiritual disciplines, service is the most conducive to the growth of humility. When we set out on a consciously chosen course of action that works for the good of others and is, for the most part, a hidden work, a deep change occurs in our spirits. I love how Richard Foster put it, the flesh whines against service but it screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. It will devise subtle, religiously acceptable means to call attention to the service rendered. If we strongly refuse to give in to this lust of the flesh, we crucify it. Every time we crucify the flesh, we crucify our pride and arrogance. In the 18th century, William Law wrote that every day should be viewed as a day of humility. And we do this by learning how to serve others. If we want humility, here is what he recommends. <clears throat> to condescend to all the weaknesses and infirmities of your fellow creatures, cover their frailties, Love their excellencies, encourage their virtues, relieve their wants, rejoice in their prosperities, compassionate their distress, receive their friendship, overlook their unkindness, forgive their malice, be a servant of servants, and condescend to do the lowest offices to the lowest of mankind. Lord, have mercy. I cannot do that. And I suppose maybe that's the point. Apart from me, you can do nothing. As we explore this service discipline, I think it's important to distinguish between servant and service. When we choose to serve, we decide to whom and when we will serve. But when we choose to be a servant, we give up that right to be in charge. 
Take, for example, Wesley from the movie The Princess Bride. He was the farm boy who was in love with Princess Buttercup. His response to her every request was, as you wish. And he went to great lengths with amazing adventures, often risking his life to serve her. But to choose to be a servant means we are open and vulnerable to a higher calling. Our whole life becomes an act of service for others. In the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson says in Romans 12:1, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. The voluntary servanthood is to God, which means being available to whomever and whatever God brings our way, which is very different than serving the prince or princess of our dreams. One wise person I know said that his morning prayer is simply this, show me who to love today, O God. In the book, Life Together, pastor, theologian, and anti-Nazi dissident Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God, and that nobody, nobody is too good for the meanest service. This makes me think about the importance of creating some margin in my life so that I have the privilege of responding to such an interruption. When we respond to God's interruption with an act of service, I believe that our attitude is very important. Being ministered to by a grumpy person or somebody who thinks that she's above all this or that she's being greatly inconvenienced is often worse than no help at all. Think of Cinderella. She had the attitude of what we call a servant's heart. Despite her predicament, she was always singing while scrubbing and making friends with little critters. She followed the instruction of her late mother when she said, in order to thrive, you must have courage and be kind. And Cinderella did this, which is good, but she didn't have a choice. Well, she had a choice for her attitude, but she didn't have a choice for her servanthood. She was held captive in a dysfunctional family, locked away in a castle without options as a penniless female with no education in a patriarchal kingdom. For us, in the 21st century, we have a choice. And Jesus is inviting us to choose a life of servanthood because that's where the blessing is. But we are only fooling ourselves if we don't believe attitude is a critical part of this process. If we are going to pick up our towels with the right spirit, we must pay attention to two words, gratitude and compassion. Gratitude basically means to receive the gifts of God and others. We prefer to be on the giving side, the side of position and power with the illusion that we have it all together. 
But we often forget that the greater joy is in giving people the space and opportunity to give back to us. For us to see the divine presence in the other person to whom we thought we were serving is to welcome the presence of God who was already there. Through you and your giving, I receive the gift of love and I see the face of God. And for that, I am grateful. The other necessary word for any act of service is compassion. Do you remember that old, old story about the guy who had dreamt that he had died and he opened up a door that had above it for the damned? Inside, once he opened it, he saw an enormous table filled with all of the best food and drink and around that table was a number of people all tethered to their chairs with an arm tied behind their back and tethered to their free hand was a spoon with a handle too long that it made it impossible for them to feed themselves from their plate. Although food fit for a king lay just within inches of them, those poor wretches were obviously suffering from the final stages of starvation. The man quickly backed out of that room, and then he noticed another door, and above that door it read, For the Saved. And he opened that door, and he saw the same table laden with all of the most delicious food and drink. And similarly, people around that table tied to their chairs with their arm behind their back, and this one long spoon that does them no good. But there was a great difference. Instead of starving miserably, the people in the second room were happy and well-fed. Though their spoons were too long to use to feed themselves, they had realized that they were not too long to feed their neighbors. What I love about this story is how compassion can bring such joy and blessing to life. In this case, compassion literally gives life. Given the atmosphere in the room, it was clear that those who chose to feed their neighbors weren't doing it in a calculated or a selfish way. They didn't have the attitude, well, if I feed him, then he'll feed me. But instead, their service was done out of love. They lost themselves in love. Those who are willing to serve and care about their neighbors can feast on a life filled with compassion and understanding, both given and received. Jesus was often moved by compassion, which means to suffer with. Jesus felt a love so deep for the people in front of him that he felt the pain of their suffering. Well, it takes great courage and kindness to be with the sick and the dying and the poor in their weakness, especially when we are powerless to fix it. But we know that our God is a God who suffers with us and calls us to gratitude and compassion in the midst of pain. It seems like Cinderella's mom was right about needing courage and kindness to get through the trials of life with each other. 
That kind of kindness and service to others only works when we authentically feel the love for each other. We can't fake it, which is why we need to abide in God, to soak in God's love for us so that it might help us to see and receive one another with those same loving eyes. The late John Lewis, a public servant, a civil rights leader, and a longtime representative in the house, talked about seeing the humanity in everyone, even those who were attacking, beating, or spitting on him. He said, there comes a time when you have to be prepared to literally put your physical body in the way to go against something that is evil, unjust, and you prepare to suffer the consequences. But whatever you do, he said, whatever your response is, must be done with love, kindness, and that sense of faith. And we know that John Lewis was one to abide with God. Some years back, neurologist Oliver Sacks wrote a fascinating vignette of an intriguing neurological difficulty. You may be familiar with Tourette's syndrome, a mental disorder that causes victims to have any number of physical and verbal tics. Some Tourette's people may have constant facial twitches, while others can suffer from uncontrollable verbal spasms. This goes on constantly and nonstop for people with Tourette's. Well, one man with Tourette's was given to deep lunging bows toward the ground, a few verbal shouts, and also an obsessive compulsive adjusting and readjusting of his glasses. It turns out this man was a skilled surgeon. Somehow, and for unexplainable reasons, when he puts on his mask and gown to enter the operating room, all of his tics disappear for the duration of the surgery. He loses himself in that role, completely focused on the job at hand. When the surgery is finished, he returns to his odd quirks of glasses adjustment, shouts, and bows. There really can be a great transformation of our lives when we are focused on just one thing, focused to the point that the bad traits disappear, even as the performing of normal tasks becomes all the more meaningful and remarkable. Losing yourself in love. Vincent van Gogh once wrote to his brother, Whosoever loves much, performs much, and can accomplish much. And what is done in love is well done. So dear friends, let's pick up our towel each and every day, and with courage and kindness, ask God to show us who to love today.
invited to the feast that is laid out at this table, the bread of life, the cup of salvation. What happens here at this table is intricately woven into the life that Jesus invites us to live. Jesus blessed and broke bread with his disciples, and then he got on his knees and humbly served them. Just as bread needs to be broken in order to be given, so too do our lives. We are invited, blessed, and broken so as to be given. With our brokenness, we are in a humble position to serve others with love and compassion. Our greatest fulfillment lies in giving ourselves to others, and it starts at this table. Now hear the words of the institution of the Lord's Supper. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He blessed it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And when you do, remember me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you all for the forgiveness of sin. Drink of it and remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. Pour out your spirit on these, your gifts to us, O God. Meet us in the bread and cup in this sanctuary and in our homes. As we break our bread to share with one another and then to a hungry world, may we taste your love and compassion for all people. As we drink in your goodness, May we be nourished and strengthened to love and serve others in your holy name. All this we ask in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us feast together.
Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for everything you have bestowed upon us. You have sacrificed your life to save us from our sins. You have generously shared with us your life when you could have chosen not to. We want to be your servant and as better of persons through the power of your Holy Spirit as we can be. And we do commit that we will give our best to live in your death and experience the life in your resurrection as we minister to others. And we give you the praise in your name. Amen.
Well, today seems like a good day to pick up our towel and say, here I am. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your heart so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, amen. <laughs>